I'm Dino Busalaki, the Chief Technology Officer and OT Guy at Delta Technology. Hi, I'm Jim, the COO and IT Guy. And I'm Craig Duckworth, President and CEO. You're listening to the Industrial Cybersecurity Insider Show. In each episode, we bring you the inside scoop on the world of industrial cybersecurity. We talk about everything you don't know. That you should know. So plug in and power up. The show's about to get started. Hello, this is Dino Busalaki, the Chief Technology Officer for Velta Technology. And today I'm being joined by Jim Cook, the IT guy here at Velta Technology. Thanks for joining us for this podcast episode where we will be talking about what are we talking about today, Dino? Yeah, today we're talking about the holidays and the potential attack around control systems or just the lack of activity that goes on around control systems regarding cybersecurity. You've got skeleton crews at the plant. You're taking shutdowns for maintenance activities. You've got a whole bevy of people maybe coming in and out of your plant to do some of that work, and you're short on staff. And so vulnerabilities can increase. I will tell you, my past experiences, I always use this time of year to practice incident response. One of the things that I was accustomed to doing before the holidays approached was purposefully causing some type of problem just to see how well it's supported. You made a lot of friends doing that, didn't you, Dina? <laughs> yeah, depending on what side of the camp you were on, right? If you were right. an IT organization and we were disabling a switch in the plant floor just to see how well you responded and escalated, and if failing to do that, it could cause problems with yeah. certain yeah. people. Yeah, yeah, and you didn't get that fruit basket by the time the season was over, did you? No, I didn't. There were some folks that were kind of upset with it, but again, it was about being prepared. How do you do the muscle memory? How do you prepare for incidents that transpire that look not normal in the plant? You got assets coming and going. You got systems that are being shut down. You have a lot of remote access into the plant. You have all this activity So at the same time, you're vulnerable. And so if you're not prepared with tools. Yeah. And one of the things when we talk about the holiday season here, when does it really start? And you and I have always talked about it. I say the holiday season starts with deer camp, doesn't it? We don't wait for Thanksgiving, (laughs) especially when you're talking about the manufacturing and the plant floors. And seniority. The most senior people are the ones that are going to get to pick the dates to go deer hunting. And then you have less experienced individuals that are in the plant being responsible for activities because others are out hunting. And I've seen that happen. I mean, where are most of your manufacturers, per se? You get into some of these rural communities and there's a lot of hunters. Yeah, the manufacturing keeps going. And anybody that wants to go out to a plant when you start in November, deer camp season, all the way into, obviously, there's Thanksgiving week, and then you get in December. And it's really, you might think of it as eight weeks, but you're not. You start looking at a lot of those guys, not only deer camp, but Thanksgiving and Christmas vacation, but a lot of them have their vacation time saved up, Mm -hmm. right? Your skeleton crew from November through the first half of January. November and December, realistically, are just one month from a project perspective and activities because of everything you just said. There's just not a lot of people around and the plants aren't necessarily well staffed. And depending on the vertical you're in, you might be going through kind of a seasonal shutdown potentially, right? right? right. We know a, a company that's in the baking industry, of course, the holidays for them is it's nonstop. So for them, it's an uptick. They actually have a freeze to keep any changes from being added into their environment, but they're so focused on making goods for others, maybe winding down for the end of the year. 
And that depends on industry to industry, right? And either they're on this holiday resource shortage or they're in high gear. Either way, you've got a unique situation when you get into this holiday season. You know, one of the things too, when you start getting a shortage of resources, and this is, I think, from an operational or safety, or as we call it, digital safety, all these things kind of roll in and impact this. When you are in reduced shortage, sometimes things need to get fixed. So now suddenly you've got a little more remote access, right? Yes, you do. I mean, you're opening up the door, whether it's people coming on site to do the work or whether you're allowing them to remote into the environment to do some of this activity. In some cases, some clients, that's when they'll do their pen testing, which is not necessarily the best time to do it because if most of the control system's down, then you're missing out on some of the analysis and findings that you're looking for on the control systems are just quite frankly offline. So you're not going to get a full picture of that particular plant. The other thing I will say is that Your supply chain is also doing the same thing. So now you can be impacted just by the fact that what you're going through, the people that supply you raw goods, people that supply you services and other requirements through your supply chain may become unavailable. Then you're pushing things off and not getting things done. So again, the exposure gets much, much higher over the holidays because there's so much activity across the spectrum. And then it's, as everyone knows, the standards, people, process, and technology, right? To make the goods, to move that process along. And when the people are short and not short stature like me, but the level of resources short from the people side, then the process starts getting, let's say, short circuited, right? Because maybe the guy that normally covers that isn't there. The guy that knows who does that isn't in and the process starts falling apart. Yeah, process falls apart. And sometimes when you're relying maybe as an external group within your organization, like IT, you know, is going through being gone over the holidays. So they're running skeleton crews, they're taking their time off. And so it's not just the plant floor, but it's also the ancillary services groups around your organization that are enjoying the holiday season and aren't necessarily there and available. You know, I, I started in the banking industry um, way back in the day. <laughs> almost four decades ago. And as you were rolling up towards the end of the year for year end, month end, quarter end, there was no time off because that was like the busy time. So you couldn't ask for time off over New Year's Eve or coming between Christmas and New Year's and the holidays because they were running full out in these data center operations for year in, month in, quarter in closings, all right? And when you get into other environments, you find that it's kind of the exact opposite. You know, I work for a very large adult beverage manufacturer and the beer was racked and stacked and out there. And so everything was shutting down over the holidays and they were doing fumigations and they were doing maintenance, they were cleaning tanks and the channel was stuffed with beer. So it was pretty quiet. The hard thing was, is a lot of the management team, that's when they wanted a lot of the other work done in the plant, right? While they had the downtime. And when you have a small staff of people, you can't cover a dozen facilities in the span of a month just can't get it done. So then you had to pick and choose. On the flip side, you couldn't go in there in the summer either because they're making beer full out and you couldn't get into the brewery to do any work. So you really have to know your organization's operation practices, their production schedules. 
and then when you get short staffed and you get a lot of change, attention to detail starts lacking and maybe you get people pulling double shifts or extended shifts over the weekend and they may not even be strong in the process because that's not their normal job. After a while, people get tired and you might have some fatigue related events or just not having the awareness of what's happening out there on the floor. Or even following proper SOPs, right? Standard operating procedures right. and processes yeah. because they want to short cycle something just in the guise of getting it done quickly, getting off my plate because I got to get the other things. And so they take shortcuts. And when you take shortcuts, depending on what it is, can be have a devastating effect. I mean, you can't do it with safety, right? I mean, that's really bad if you take shortcuts with safety and somebody gets hurt or killed or you have a hazardous material environmental wreck action of some sort. So right. it behooves the organization to really know how well they've got their control systems under control. You know, lockout, tagout procedures are really important if you're going to go in and work in an area that, say, it's closed, confined space. You can't take shortcuts when you do that kind of stuff for safety reasons. And when it comes to digital safety, why would we do it there either? So there's a lot of reasons that, you know, over those holiday seasons from deer camp to New Year's Eve, what happens is because the awareness is down, the resources is down, it's also an avenue for the malicious activity to increase mm-hmm. because it's opportunity. They know it's opportunity, yep, right? They do. I don't think they're not paying attention. They sometimes know your vertical is good or better than you do, right, on what's going on in your environment. It gives them the opportunity to, to know the weaknesses that will ensue based upon you being down on in staff for this particular time of year, the activities that you're doing as far as, again, maintenance work that you might be doing in a plant. Somebody being able to social engineer their way into a plant and gain access to go in there and roam around. You know, it's not really that hard with some manufacturers. Once you're inside, unless you're being escorted everywhere you go, you can get into a lot of places that people don't know what you might be leaving. Yeah, and I think I can bring up the one situation that we had, because by the time this comes out, the case study will be published on this, but it was in the November timeframe, and there was this client that we were working with, had a phishing email, clicked it, credentials, and within 24 hours, and this was in the November timeframe, they were signing in to their network, and that was in the November timeframe. Why? Because they can ramp it up. They know that because the short staff, somebody might not be around to do the right approval or the right monitoring, and they were in. And the thing to remember there, too, is not only is that from the IT side into the OT side, it happens both places, but that occurred after no external events for two years. Nothing for two years. And they were getting better throughout a continuous improvement, watching more, hardening their environment. But it was two years. And that one event occurred over the holiday season. And it could have shut them down had they not done those steps. Had they not put that process in place and the roles identified on who it was going to be and who do you call. So suddenly it's November, it's deer camp, it's Thanksgiving, it's the holiday season. And that person at least knew who to call and find them, wake them up so they could call somebody and get the right resources in the room. Anyone that hears this can look this up and see the case study prevented a complete shutdown because it was a manufacturing environment that, well, it's just like stuff could blow up. And very, very important to make sure nobody was in there. Nobody made those changes. Nothing was compromised. But it happened. It took time for that organization and for us to help them get to that point. So they knew how to align their people, processes, and technology. Because even though nothing happened for two years, the one time that it does happen, 
is the time that you've been preparing for. Yeah. Well, I mean, the extreme amount of caution that's taken, right, when you have a breach like that and you don't know how far and wide it's gone because you don't have the tools and technologies process in place, you go naturally Colonial Pipeline, you take the shutdown. You go ahead and shut down because you don't know how far the breach has gone because you don't have visibility into the systems that may have received that ransomware, that malware. And, you know, when you think about it from the IT world, it it has a staff and a group of people who are supposed to be in a position that when this does happen, to jump on it quickly and try to get it isolated and get it locked down. And it's all the tools that they have. They know where it is compared to their OT side of the world where they know nothing. They know even less about what's going on on the plant floor or what's down there because it's not their area of responsibility typically. So they don't know the status of the Windows machines. They don't know the status of the networking switches that are involved on the control system side or the PLCs. So then who do you rely on? So one, you're going to take the shutdown and just an abundance of caution, number one. And number two, the time to get back up and running to recover is much, much longer because you're not aware of how far the breach has gone. And so it takes you a lot longer to get in there and uncover whether you have it in there or not. And if you do have it in there, how do you get it out? How do you eradicate it? Right, 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 right. Yeah, because the manufacturer keeps running, even over the holidays, when the IT side in the corporate world, you can turn your PC off when you go. But on the operational side, those things are still on and running. And speaking of kind of turning that off, I mean, we haven't even touched on it, but just the power implications of the holiday season where you get storms and now you've added a whole nother element to the mix. Again, yeah, it's kind of back to the supply chain. And you should test power outages when you can, especially if you have backup systems. You know, I mean, if you have a lot of backups in your network and with your technology, do you test that, right? In case you do lose power, to your point, for some reason because of a storm. And I've witnessed that. I've witnessed that with hurricanes. I've witnessed that with earthquakes where you've lost the ability to, you have to shut the plant down for these disasters, if you will, and what it takes to do that. And then what it takes to bring that plant back up online after an event like that happens. So yeah, it's one of those things where you can't foresee the future, but it still doesn't mean that you can't do a better job of putting the tools and technologies, people and process and, and techniques in place to be able to circumvent any of these types of problems we're talking about, right? whether it's incident response, vulnerability management, asset inventory and having continuous monitoring environment, remote access, you know, defensible architectures. And what are you doing in order to sustain that? You do it on your IT side for your business system. Sometimes it's always puzzling why you're not taking the same tactic over to your uh, industrial control systems. It actually make the products that you sell to your clients. Right. So we talked about a lot of problems. We did touch on the one case where it was addressed. So let's talk a little bit about some of the things that you can put in place. Now, again, a lot of the problems that we talked about is really you could take to the operational resilience level. You got to keep the operation running, you know, whether it's power, whether it's fatigue related, whether it's security, physical security lapses, whether it's remote access, reduced staffing levels, that all impacts operational resiliency. Let's talk about a couple of things, at least in our experience, that you can put in place to help assist with that. I think you mentioned the monitoring, which we're big fans of, and how that would help in a situation like this, in this holiday season risk. Yeah, well, there's tools and technologies that are built specifically for the OT environment that provide some of that resiliency. So today, if you can't have MFA in your OT environment, well, why not? Because there's remote access tools built for OT that give you that. 
virtual machines. I, I was talking to a CIO here recently that they still have older Windows operating systems out there, which most clients do, but you can at least virtualize that HMI that's running on Windows 7 or Windows XP. Yeah, it's still an old unsupported operating system, but at least you can get it away from hardware that if that hardware failure happens, then you're trying to rebuild that thing, could be down for days, if, if not longer, versus a VM. Why don't you just virtualize it? So at least that way you can spin it back up pretty quickly if you have a hardware failure. So there are things that you can do in order to harden your operational practices and improve your security posture with technologies. But a lot of clients, they're not pursuing them. Some do. You know, it's like if the best practice is to virtualize your industrial control system applications and your HMIs and your engineering workstations and your historians, why aren't you doing that? What's preventing right. you from doing that, right? right? IT's doing it. They do it all day, every day. Most of their stuff runs on a VM, except for the end user's personal laptop or computer that they're using. But why, why would you do that if you've got a ton of Windows XP machines? Again, I know a very large adult beverage manufacturer. That's exactly what they did, right? right? To get right. away from that older suspect hardware is put in, they put all their old, old operating systems and applications on VMs. Right. And, and that addresses two angles of the five critical stands controls that we talk about all the time. That one being response and defensible, uh, defensible architecture. It gives you the continuity, right? And you have to think of that for operational resilience, continuity, cybersecurity is part of that. Back to the monitoring just for a moment, because the monitoring will help if you're mature enough and you have the capabilities to help assist when your staffing levels can. You put the processes in place and you put effective in there so that you can see not only what we refer to as the process integrity from the operational side, but also any potential cybersecurity threats also. Yeah, like PLC changes, right? Process integrity. A lot of clients don't have a good mechanism to determine if somebody made a PLC change outside of the end result, good or bad, on what that control system change was that PLC as far as making product. Did I put too much glue on the boxes or not enough glue on the box? Did I put too much material on the roofing material or not? There's all kinds of screw ups. And so do you have a view into those types of changes? And I would argue that a lot of clients do not. It's kind of a ready, fire, aim mentality. Others do a better job of change control when it comes to PLCs, but then there are always those folks out there. And I'm guilty of it on the networking side back in the day. It was always easier to have forgiveness than it was permission. But you only get so many of those, right? <laughs> you only right. get so many screw-ups before you get into trouble. So the point is, process integrity, do you have tools, because you are light on staff, that are keeping an eye on the activities going in inside your control system environment, new assets coming up, new protocols coming in, new user coming in, PLC changes, you know, can you see all that stuff? These are all OT-specific questions. Right. Again, people, process, and techniques, right? Tactics. It's not an IT conversation when you're talking about those things. Because I think in IT, when they think about cybersecurity around control systems, you're just looking for uh, malware. Right. And that's an excellent point. That's why we constantly say, look, it's operational resiliency and cybersecurity resiliency is part of it. Right. Everything that we talked about that are threats and risk in this holiday environment it affects the operational resiliency. Cybersecurity is just a part of it. You get reduced staffing levels or fatigue and somebody makes a change. They called someone else to make the change that it impacts it down the line later and you don't have the right change control or you don't, like you said, you have new users. All these things can happen, whether it's cybersecurity related 
or not. I think that's where you start getting those tool sets in place. And if you can leverage them to let you know those things when you're short staffed and get eyeballs on them, and whether that's with your own internal staff or third party or whatever that type of alerting system is is made of. I mean, every plant has you know some sort of safety alert out there. You can do the same things with this technology to address not only the cybersecurity issues, but those operational issues also. Yeah, I always struggle with the tools as clients start looking at tools specifically geared for the OT environment. And if it's being driven by an IT team, they only want to go so far as far as the number of assets and the visibility that they're after. When there's so much more in the plant to be part of that platform, you know, from, again, asset inventory to help with vulnerability management, that continuous monitoring, it's always puzzling why they're so quick to say what we call the east-west traffic is not in scope. And you have to ask yourself, why is that? Why is a PLC sitting at level three in the Purdue model not as important as a PLC sitting down at level two or one or the drives that are down there or an HMI that is down there, right? Why ignore that? But I never really get a good answer when you're talking to the IT guys. Now, from an OT perspective, I think they would sit there and go, well, they're never down there anyway. We don't, right, allow right. Them we don't want them in there. Get right. out. That's, that's the connected physical system, right? You're to the point where you got real IO and interlock activity going on in between those control systems. But at the same time, you got to get the OT people in a position to think like IT sometimes in regards to how can I put processes in place, technologies in place that can improve not only helping us with cyber attacks, but also help us with our operational aspects. You know, some people call it OEE, right? Uh, Overall equipment effectiveness. How can I improve that? There's always some measure that manufacturers use to determine how to get better. How can I improve my quality? How can I improve my performance? How can I improve my availability? And you and I talk about that all the time. And maybe that's another podcast. But man, I think that should be the ultimate goal of maturing these capabilities to get to that point where it's impacting those numbers and really getting an understanding from all these aspects and bringing it together. Yeah, I call it you got to get all the liars in the same room, right? You just do and have this discussion from all the right stakeholders to determine how do we solve these problems. But are they even admitting that they have a problem? Well, good point. It's probably towards the end. You have to admit that you have a problem to address your problem. Let's just get our last thoughts to wrap this up together. I'll just summarize at least what I've heard or what I thought about this topic. And one is, hey, there's a lot of added risk due to the schedule, especially from, like I said, former IT guy that I never really thought about till we started working together and get this business going. And it's not just for cybersecurity. Cybersecurity is a part of it. And these things are out there because of that operational resiliency that you want to improve upon. And given that, there are opportunities for the bad guys to leverage, and we've seen it. You know, you don't want to be lulled into sleep. You've got to have these processes in place, like we mentioned with the case study. It just takes that one time. That one time, everything that was done before, they were ready. They were ready to react. So not only do you need to make sure that you're building these capabilities, you've got to have the tools in place as well and those defined roles so that you can operate at these levels because that's a fact of life. You got to keep it going. That operational resiliency will just kind of bang on the table because everything that impacts that is just as important in the cybersecurity because they're just looking for that one break to get in. Yeah, and they're digging in now. They're looking for opportunity to dig in because they're going to be there. If they get in, they're going to be in there for a while. 
Their goal is to sit in there and go unnoticed for months or years. That's the intent. And this is an opportunity for them to do it during this time of year because of all the things we stated earlier, right? So now's the time that they're looking to get in and sit there and start their plan of attack within your environment, right? It's not that they're going at it right away. If they hit you, they've already been there for a while and you're just not looking for them. Not in this area, you're not. But even in your other organizations with all the tools that you have, you're still missing them even on the IT side of the house, right? With your firewalls and your endpoint protection and your SIMs and all these other cybersecurity tools you got and you're still don't even know that they're in there. And the plant floor is even worse, right? Yep. Because you, you don't have those tools in place. So Yep, yep. They're going to slip in the door when nobody's really paying attention over the holidays. They'll get in and uh, figure out what to do. And you just have to do these things and recognize that these capabilities are important, that the resiliency is important. And you got to make sure you're doing everything so that you can give yourself that peace of mind that you can go out and operate at this level because you got a good process in place and you've got the right tools in place and the communications in place to make sure that when these events are occurring, that they can be caught even in a deer camp week, right? Well, you've heard me say this many, many times. Are you exercising the same amount of due diligence right. to, to secure and protect your plant floor control systems as you do the enterprise? It's a real simple question. It's a yes or no answer. Well, I think we're getting the uh, let's wrap it up sign. So um, I appreciate everyone listening in this far and enjoy talking about our holiday season efforts as we get ready to go into ours here shortly. So thanks for joining us, Dino. Hey, yep. thank you. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Industrial Cybersecurity Insider Podcast. To stay up to date with our latest episodes, be sure to click the follow or subscribe button now. And if you found this podcast helpful or have a topic you'd like us to cover, please leave us a review or let us know. If you're interested in learning more about Velta technology and how you can get safer sooner, visit veltatech.com. That's V-E-L-T-A tech.com. Thanks again for listening. See you next time.